Welcome to episode number two of Trey and BK on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Coming up today, we pick some winners for this weekend's football games, and I think we need to settle on a punishment for what happens to the guy who is worse at picking games throughout the course of the season. Today's edition of Where We At in Society, it's a two-parter starting with a pretty terrible slash great way to get even with a cheating partner, and I also need to ask for Brad Kellner's parental advice of the week. We also have a cannibal who was found guilty of murdering a guy named Kevin Bacon. Does that mean he tasted like Footloose? And Brett Yormark tells folks how long he expects Texas and OU to remain part of the Big 12, or will it be called the Big 16 at some point? I guess it's not the Big 10 right now. We also have some Longhorn football talk to start things off, of course, recapping a little bit of Iowa State and looking ahead to a big game tomorrow in Stillwater between the Longhorns and Oklahoma State Cowboys. I am Trey Elling, joined as always in my partner in broadcasting crime, the man formerly known as having the fastest cattle prod this side of Dirty Sixth. He has moved on to bigger and better things, hosting the Wheelhouse afternoons on ESPN 97.5 in Houston. It is Brad Kellner. What's up, BK? How you doing this week? Thank you for the introduction, Trey. I'm doing well. Excited for the return of Brad Kellner's parental advice of the week. One of my favorite bits from our nearly three-year stint of hosting a midday show in Austin. But a loaded show, man. I'm doing well. Actually going to Vegas this weekend to watch the Texans play the Raiders, which will be uh, below average time. But, you know, Vegas itself will be a good time minus the football game. But uh, no, doing well, man. Excited for episode two. Just happy they invited us back. What is your Vegas experience normally like when you go there? Because I am uh, pretty boring when it comes to going to Las Vegas. Well, you're pretty boring regardless of where you are, Trey. So, you know, you try to compliment yourself a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and ruin your life real quick as I do very well. Uh, it's true. Yeah, this this weekend will be different. So, you know, normally I'm, I'm going to a pool party. I'm gambling a lot, uh, spending a lot of time at the sports book, like the, the stereotypical traditional Vegas stuff, the occasional late night club or two or three or four. Uh, but this weekend, I've got some work stuff to do, and I also am going for a bachelor party. Mm. And it's my cousin's bachelor party. I've never met any of his friends. I have mm. no idea what they're into. I have no idea what's in store for me. So this will be – hopefully I'll have some good stories that I'm allowed to share. Huh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not, not on this show. Hopefully I'll have some good stories to share next weekend. But, yeah, this could be a, a less-than-traditional Vegas trip for me and less-than-stereotypical Vegas trip for everybody out there. What happens for you if uh, this group that you're hanging out with all turn out to be a bunch of big prostitute guys? Like they're all prostitutes or they're fans of prostitutes? <laughs> Very Some different of questions. Some of both. Mm, well, if they're all prostitutes, I'm probably going to leave and <laughs> just go hang out with work friends or just find literally anybody else to hang out with. But if they're into prostitutes, then that might be a story about what happens in Vegas staying in Vegas. I'll go ahead and leave it like that, but I'm not going to be in any hurry to get out of there. That's probably a pretty smart idea. You don't want to end up in the bad part of the Jewish cemetery when, when it's all said and done. No, well, too late for that, but uh, you're right. You know, I don't want to hurt my chances even more than they already are. Um, how about last weekend, Trey? Look, close, closer than we wanted, too close for comfort, but all yeah, a win is a win, and Iowa State is good, and they had the best defense, uh, best defense in the Big 12. They were number one in this conference in just about every defensive metric, and we talked about this being a test for Quinn Ewers. Like, 
Iowa State's defense is better than Alabama's this year, guys. Iowa State's defense is better than Oklahoma's this year, guys. If you've watched either of those two teams play, you know what I'm talking about. Hell, the fake UT just put up 52 on Alabama last weekend. So I said it last week. This was going to be the toughest defense that Quinn Ewers has had to go up against in his life. And sure enough, it was. Like, he struggled a little bit going against that three-down front where Iowa State drops eight seemingly on every play. Hell, he's not the first Texas quarterback to struggle against that defense. He's not the first any quarterback to struggle against that Iowa State defense. That's been a staple of what they've tried to do for years, and it's a big part of why they're in, in sort of the golden era of Iowa State football. I know they're not having the best year that they, they've had this year, and I know they're kind of underwhelming in terms of their expectations, but a big part of their recent success has been because of that defense, and it gave, it gave Quinn Ewer some fits, but he made enough plays. Bijan obviously had a great day. Great to see the running game get going against a pretty stout rush defense. But, man, that was close. And I'll tell you what, Trey, I know this guy was torching us for the majority of that game, but I think we owe uh, Xavier Hutchinson a holiday card because of his inexcusable dive attempt. And it would have been a go-ahead touchdown with just over two minutes to go. Of course, the Longhorns would have had a chance with the football to come back and try to win the game. But that play should have been a touchdown. Instead, it's a drop. The Longhorns' defense ultimately forces the fumble. And they get out of Dodge with the victory. So you'll take it, especially considering the fact that Iowa State's had your number and they'd beaten you three times in a row. But, man, that was uh, close, too close for comfort. And they almost got hit by the hangover effect from that beatdown against Oklahoma the previous week. Yeah, I think we owe Xavier Hutchinson's knee a gift of some sort because the way he moved on that play, it was like a guy who didn't totally trust his body, but you'll take it. And by the way, there were throws that Quinn Ewers missed earlier in the game as well, where he wasn't really facing a lot of pressure. It was just an off-target throw for a guy who's really good chucking it down the field that could have turned this into a blowout of a ball game as well. So ifs and buts and uh, those close calls only really matter in things like horseshoes and hand grenades, as Brian Jones likes to say. But uh, overall, BK, you take this victory because this is the sort of game that Texas, since 2010, has lost a lot more than they won. They would figure out a way to lose that game in the Charlie Strong era, of course, at the end of the Mac Brown era, even in the Tom Herman era as well, save uh, the one year that they actually had a decent season, making it all the way to the Sugar Bowl before beating the Georgia Bulldogs. And it gives me a little bit more confidence that Steve Sarkeesian does have this program headed in the right direction right now. And by the way, that does include him understanding that his stud young quarterback just didn't have it on the day and then doing a whole lot more to run the football in the second half against a defense that had not allowed a 100-yard rusher on the season. Well, Bijan Robinson will do that to a lot of defenses that look really good against the run. Uh, but Roshan Johnson is obviously uh, a great number two running back also. I would suggest, and I know there's a list that was released this week uh, with the best running back duos in college football. They had Texas as number four. Look, I can understand the argument for some of those other guys. I love Alabama's backfield. Michigan's obviously got a great backfield as well, but I'll take Texas' backfield against any of those right now. I'm with you. I'm with you. And the offense did a lot of good things. You see 24 points, and you're thinking, oh, that's pretty lackluster. Well, Iowa State going into that game was only giving up 13 points per game on the season, and they had done a pretty good job in conference play. I know they were 0-3, and now they're 0-4 in the Big 12, but uh, that's the most points they've given up in Big 12 play this season. So, you're right. Like Quinn Ewers will get better with time. He's got to get better at the easy stuff, Trey. He yeah. makes the difficult stuff look easy at times. That's like one of his elite abilities. But sometimes those easy throws, like you talked about early in the game, he just missed him. He was inaccurate. And yeah, you can get away with that against this Iowa State team, barely. But can you get away with that on the road? Can you get away with that against teams like TCU and Oklahoma State? Can you get away with that 
in the move to the SEC whenever that happens. That's what I want to know. But Texas did do a lot of good things offensively. Defensively, a different story. Like, I know they only gave up 21 points, and, well, if you give up 21 points with the offense that Texas has, you're going to win. You think you're going to win most of those games. But, man, Hunter Deckers, who is not very good, uh, torched the Longhorn secondary. I'll give Texas credit. The defensive front was pretty good. They did a great job against the run. That's why they won the ball game. But way too many breakdowns in coverage. Obviously, Ryan Watts getting hurt early on really hurt the Longhorns. They were shorthanded on the back end, and you could tell that Hunter Deckers in Iowa State was picking on whoever was in there in place of Watts. But that secondary, man, they got picked apart way too much, way too many defensive breakdowns against a pretty pedestrian offense. Uh, it's a little scary to think about what could happen against a better quarterback and a team with better weapons if you continue to play like that on that side of the football. Absolutely. I don't know if that's going to be Oklahoma State tomorrow, BK, because Spencer Sanders is dinged up, and he hasn't been the most accurate passer throughout his career at Oklahoma State. The fact that he is injured now did make a difference in the second half of that game and the two overtimes last week, of course, in Fort Worth and their loss to the Horn Frogs. But if that's how your secondary is playing versus TCU in uh, the next three weeks or so, that's going to be a big, big issue. And the Horn Frogs will win that game going away. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and one other thing on this game, and I think I mentioned this last week, but I think it bears repeating. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, Texas got outscored in the second half again in this football game. Now, they did enough in the first half to where they were able to hold on and get the victory, but Texas has been outscored in the second half in four of five games against Power 5 competition this year. Obviously, the one time they didn't is when they shut out Oklahoma and dominated that game from start to finish. Sark's nine losses as the head coach of Texas. He's had a halftime lead in five of them. Like with the talent that Texas has and with the run game that Texas has. Like you should be able to just use Rojo, uh, Rojo and Bijan nonstop to run out the clock and just sit on a lead. Texas couldn't do that in Lubbock. And they've struggled in the second half of games last season and this season too. So feels like the Longhorns very often are winning the battles of game plan early on. But in the battle of adjustments, it feels like more often than not, this coaching staff is coming up a little bit short. So something to monitor. Look, they won. And no one's going to care at the end of the year, especially if Texas makes it to Arlington, how they won this football game, right? Like all that matters is that they won this football game. Style points don't matter when you're trying to make it to your conference championship game. Wins do. But it's just something to monitor moving forward. That's something I want to see different from this coaching staff. Halftime adjustments and winning the second half because way too often – it uh, feels like Sark and company are getting out-adjusted. There are a lot of reasons why tomorrow is a huge game for this program. I know people are probably tired of hearing me bring this stat up, but Steve Sarkeesian throughout his head coaching career has two Achilles heels. One is facing ranked competition, and the second is facing conference foes on the road. Both of those things come together with the matchup tomorrow in Stillwater, on top of us getting another test to see if Quinn Ewers is the sort of guy whose play raises or lowers based on the size of the stage. Because you could argue that his two best games this year, and I realize it's a small sample size versus Alabama, but his two best games were the two biggest games of the year for this program so far. That being, of course, Alabama 
and the Oklahoma game a couple weeks ago, whereas Iowa State, unranked matchup at home. In the first game of the year where he, it was an up-and-down performance for him as well, which Quinn Ewers we get tomorrow is going to go a long ways in determining uh, just how well Texas is playing throughout the course of the game. No, no doubt about that. And this is Quinn Ewers' first true road game, right? Yeah. Like he didn't play in Texas's only true road game this season in Lubbock. You feel like if he was there and he played well, Texas wins that game. But we just don't know what to expect from Ewers on the road in a hostile environment. It's also homecoming in Stillwater. Uh, that feels embarrassing. Right. Like in high school, don't you schedule your easiest opponent on homecoming because, you know, you're going to win when everyone's watching and everyone's having a good time. Like, yeah, yes, which I only know because Newman Smith High School was always everybody's homecoming opponent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, J.J. Pierce was often other teams homecoming as well. But uh, yeah, look, Oklahoma State doesn't lose a lot at homecoming. They actually have won 12 games in a row at Boone Pick and Stadium. The last time they lost at home was to Texas two years ago when Joseph Osai turned into the greatest defensive player of all time mm -hmm. and basically single-handedly won that game in overtime over the Pokes. But, yeah, Texas 1-5 and five in true road games under Sark. They're 0-4 in their last four, so a four-game road losing streak for Texas, obviously dating back to last season. You know, on one hand, once again, it's, hey, Quinn Ewers didn't play in any of those games. Like, now we've got our guy. On the other hand, it's, well, we don't know what Quinn Ewers is on the road. So I was stunned when I saw the line for this game, Trey. It probably indicates that Spencer Sanders isn't going to play, or at least if he does play, he's going to be incredibly hampered. But yeah. I was shocked just based on the road struggles for this team, based on Oklahoma State's home dominance, based on the fact that the Cowboys have beaten the Longhorns eight of the last 12 years and five of the last seven. I couldn't believe that the Longhorns opened up as a favorite, and the line's been going in favor of Texas throughout the course of the week, which is shocking mm -hmm. to me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. A lot of questions about this game and mainly centered around head coach and quarterback, like you said. Yeah, you and I suffer from a severe case of UTSD. I do not like to see this team getting too much national love. And when you see a line go in this direction with Texas as the road team and they're not the uh, better ranked team at that, yeah, Spencer Sanders' injury status is going to go a long ways in helping to determine this. But I just don't like to see Texas get too much love because we've seen too many examples of it going straight to their heads over the last few years. It's just the tiniest hint of success. All of a sudden, they lose focus on the task at hand. But you also do hear Steve Sarkeesian really harping on them having a short memory with those things and really being able to block out a lot of the noise. And by the way, noise isn't always negative necessarily. The noise can be positive. It can be filling your head with confidence, and oftentimes it's false confidence because you end up getting complacent one way or the other. Yeah, we almost saw that last week, right? I mean, we talked about it on the show. You know, after the Oklahoma game, everybody was patting Texas on the back, giving them all sorts of love, right? The players, the coaches, and these guys were walking around on campus. Everyone was praising them. Everywhere on social media, everybody was praising them. Like, there was a lot of success and a lot of good feelings after what happened in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, and that hangover effect almost got to them. Now, they were lucky. They escaped with the win. They made a couple of plays down the stretch when it mattered most. But, uh, yeah, we almost saw that last week, and it's something we've seen way too often from this Texas team in recent years. And, you know, one thing we haven't seen too much of this year, Texas is going up against a dual-threat quarterback. Now, look, Bryce Young can run, and unfortunately we saw that firsthand. Maybe the biggest play of the game for Alabama was Bryce Young taking off with his legs and picking up that huge first down to set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, and also – Donovan Smith in Lubbock, like that guy, not a true dual threat, but made some plays with his legs to extend drives and get Texas Tech back in the ballgame. Dual threat quarterbacks have been an issue for Texas forever. And Spencer Sanders is a better runner. Like with his shoulder, his arm is hampered. Okay. He was awful yeah. throwing the football last week against TCU, but they still scored 40 points and they had double overtime. I'll say 30 
after regulation against a good TCU team because Spencer Sanders was able to get just about whatever he wanted on the ground. So that's something to watch for. Like, can Texas contain Spencer Sanders? It'll be a benefit that his shoulder isn't 100% and that his arm isn't what it was at the start of the season. But this will be a test for the Longhorn defense trying to contain a very, very good dual-threat quarterback who's doing a much better job protecting the football than he's done in years past. Obviously, you want to see the Texas defensive front get some organic pressure whenever they do drop back to pass. So this would be a great game to have uh, DeMarvion Overshone doing a lot in the way of spying Spencer Sanders. I know he's been a little bit underwhelming in coverage this year. I think that is the perfect role for him in this game. I agree 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to a spy on Spencer Sanders just about every play. And I, I get saying that knowing what I watched last week with his Texas secondary, right? It feels like they need all the help they can get on the back end. But right now... Uh, with this version of Spencer Sanders, it feels like he's way more of a threat with his legs than with his arms. So I want to try to neutralize that. And the good news is, look, Texas's run defense, like against running backs, has been very good. And Oklahoma State, their true run game with its running backs, really bad, averaging less than three yards a carry with their running backs in conference games. So you'd like to think we could see more of the same with Texas's success against the run game from the running backs. But once again, I uh, got to do a good job of containing Spencer Sanders as well. All right, we will give our official picks for this game at the very end as part of our weekend football picks. It is a ranked matchup, after all, and it's not a great NFL slate this weekend. So it's going to be a lot of college games once again. We will, of course, tell you what we think about Texas-Oklahoma State. One more thing from the Big 12, BK, before we move into some non-sports topics. The Big 12 basketball media days happened a little bit earlier this week in Kansas City. Not much of a blip on many people's radars. I understand college basketball is an inferior product versus what it was 20, 30 years ago, despite uh, Brad Kelmer maybe arguing otherwise. But Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, of course, met with the media, and inevitably he was asked about the status of Texas OU and how long he expects these two teams to remain in the conference before their eventual move to the SEC. Here's his answer. They've committed themselves in advance of me getting here, and they've reiterated that commitment. So they'll be here through the, you know, through the duration. And my relationship with both Texas and Oklahoma is, is very, very strong. Look, I know some people are a little bit upset or annoyed about that, and uh, some may even think the sky is falling if that's what ends up happening with Texas and Oklahoma remaining in this conference until the summer of 2025. Just take a breath. It's what he has to say until a deal says otherwise. It's why CDC and Joe Castiglione are going to say the same thing, even if they are having conversations behind closed doors and trying to figure out a buyout number that makes sense for all sides. The likelihood that Texas and OU are stuck in this conference through the 2024 college football season, I would still put at a very small amount right now, BK. Was that you breathing while Brett Yormark was talking? Who was that? I think that's, I don't know. That might have been Chip Brown or somebody who was uh, who was recording recording the audio from Kansas City. That was not me. Those are deep breaths. Whoever it was had just run a marathon, it sounded like, before talking to Yormark. I was, I was a little bit nervous there. But anyways, uh, I'm with you, dude. I, I, I've maintained this stance from the beginning. I feel like Texas will not play in the same conference as Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU. And I get that that means that next year, Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC and all the evidence, everything that people are saying, all that's out there tells me that I'm wrong, right? It tells me we're going to have to wait a couple of years before the move actually happens. But I just, I, I've, I've maintained the stance from the beginning. I feel like Texas and Oklahoma are going to do whatever they have to do to move to the SEC as quickly as possible, right? This is a divorce that's happening between these two sides. You don't want to stay in the house as your partner, as you're going through a divorce, right? It just makes more sense for both sides 
to get this clean break over with as quickly as possible. So I'll eat my words if I'm wrong, but I tend to agree with you, man. Forget 2025. Like I, I think this will be the last year that Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12, and we'll start talking about SEC stuff next season. I hope that's the case. Right now, I have the feeling that it's going to be 2024. As much as it hurts me to say that, at least it's a year earlier than what the contract states otherwise. Because I think both Texas and OU don't want to end up having to pay too much, even though it's going to be worth it on the other side with how much you're making as a member of the SEC. They're trying to hold out for as long as possible, especially if no deal can be worked out. And Kevin, your, uh, Brett Yormark, excuse me, he realizes that it's a financial boost for this conference to keep Texas and Oklahoma in as long as possible. They are the two biggest draws in the conference. That will remain the case when the four new members come in next year. If anything, we're lucky that UCLA and USC are heading to the Big Ten next season. Mm -hmm. I think that that does expedite the process and put pressure on Texas and OU to try and make it happen sooner rather than later. I'm with you 100%. And yeah, the TV deal is obviously important here, right? Money is why all of these decisions are being made in the first place. So look, you're probably right. I mean, hell, we already have seen schedules for next year for Texas and Oklahoma and their big 12 schedules. So reason to believe that the move is not going to happen as soon as I think it will, but we will wait and see, you know, Texas and Oklahoma have the money, you know, they can pay for it. And like you said, they'll be able to make that money back in a relatively short amount of time once they move to the SEC. So something worth monitoring for sure, but you're right. I mean, what was Brett Yormark supposed to say, right? Like that's what he legally has to say is that uh, through the current grant of rights deals, Texas and Oklahoma are going to remain in this conference. And he's also trying to negotiate a TV deal in the short term. So he wants to make sure that, Hey, the TV partners know that now we plan on the two biggest brands to be in this league for a couple of more years. I love how confident uh, he has to sound right now. And I expect nothing less of him, by the way, but how confident he is when talking about that next TV deal saying Fox and ESPN know exactly what they're going to be. They know what we're worth here. Yeah, they do know what exactly you're going to be. They do know what you're worth. And that's probably why the two sides are pretty far apart with regards to what that next big deal is going to be. It's not going to be as small as the Pac-12, which will obviously be a shell of itself starting next year, but it's not going to it'll even probably be a little bit more than what you're making for each of those teams right now. It's not going to come even close anywhere close to what Notre Dame is making as an independent, obviously, mm -hmm. or what the sec and big 10 schools are going to be making in a couple of years when those new contracts kick in. I'll tell you what, I enjoy listening to Brett, your mark. Like he doesn't put me to sleep like Bob Bowlesby did. Mm -hmm. I wish we had more run with that guy instead of having to deal with Bob Bowlesby at every media days for the last decade plus. I actually got to interview him for about 15 minutes at the football media days this year, and I really enjoyed the conversations. He gave – he'll tap dance a little bit, but that's that's expected in a position like that. You can't be totally forthright on things, but he gave me a lot of direct answers as well. Yeah, I'm not rooting for the demise of the Big 12 once Texas leaves. Like, I'm excited for the move to the SEC, but – I don't need the, this conference to completely fall apart once it happens. Yeah, I'm rooting for the demise of the Pac-12 just because I think George Klyovkov has uh, conducted himself in a ridiculous manner. And I think <laughs> he tried to power play his way into a bigger spot at the table, and his conference is crumbling as a result. So I want to see the Pac-12 fail, but I'm, I'm with you. I actually want to see the Big 12 do well. There's a lot of schools and a lot of people that I know who root for schools uh, that will still be in this conference in a couple of years. And I, I want them to be a part of the conversation. I, I still want to play some of these schools from time to time. Maybe never Texas Tech and Lu Lubbock ever again after uh, what we had to go through a month ago. But uh, I do still want to play Texas Tech on a neutral field or have them come to Austin every so often, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. All right, you want to shift gears here? Let's do it. All right. So 
I don't know if we can call it a bit or a segment. I'll just say it was something that we did on Midday with Trey and BK called the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And this was your love child. I should probably let you explain this before I try to fumble my way through this. But basically, towards the end of every interview, we would ask whatever guest we were speaking to for a recommendation, like somebody that they thought we should talk to next, somebody that we had never spoken to, somebody that we didn't know, somebody that they were friends with who they thought would make for a good interview. Was that was that sort of what we were doing here? Yeah, we called it Six Degrees of Conversation, which is obviously a play on the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and it allowed us to speak to some pretty awesome people, including Sam Tripoli, of course, who uh, we got to hang out with later on when uh, he and some of his uh, fellow stand-ups came into town to perform at the Old Cap City Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. So the Six Degrees of Conversation bit can continue, but the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon bit is dead because Kevin Bacon is dead. Oh, what? He is no longer with us. Uh, He was killed in Michigan. After he met up with a random 53-year-old Michigan man on Grinder. Well, that's weird. The dating app. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon was married to Kira Sedgwick. Oh, it appears that this is a different Kevin Bacon oh. after, after doing some extra research. Thoughts and prayers to this other Kevin Bacon, but thank God. Yeah, this is a pretty gruesome story. Uh, some guy named Mark Latansky, who's 53, was found guilty of first-degree murder. And apparently he killed a guy named Kevin Bacon and ate part of the victim Oh, after he killed him. Yeah. They met up through the dating app grinder, which I know you're a big fan of Trey <laughs> and literally their first hangout ended in murder and cannibalism. So is grinder the app that, uh, d- that delivers meatball subs to your house? I, you know, there's an innuendo there, so I'm going to say yes, <laughs> but I don't know if it's the meatball subs that most people think you're talking about. Maybe separate the meat and the ball. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe a fruitcake can come with that order as well. You know, you never know exactly what you're getting on these apps these days. But uh, yeah, that's what happened. So Kevin Bacon is gone. Uh, I think it's hilarious that cannibalism was done on a guy whose last name was Bacon. Uh, I was told this guy's previous date was with a dude named Steve Tofu and he did not kill or cannibalize him. So he waited (laughs) until uh, Kevin Bacon showed up before he decided to do his deed and well, there's a uh, there's your random story involving Kevin Bacon, but not really Kevin Bacon. Well, look, Stephen Tofu, even though there was promise that uh, that he had a similar texture as a Kevin Bacon, it turned out that he was much more gelatinous. My first sick question, and you know, I have to ask this as a guy who is on the record as saying that I would try human, but only if it's humanely harvested human is which part did he eat? He ate multiple parts, including the man parts of one Kevin Bacon. Would you start there? Would you end there? Would you avoid there? That's definitely not where I'm starting. I don't know. That's probably not in the top 10. Yeah. How many body parts are there? Because that's at the very bottom of the list for me. See, here's here's the issue, though. If you're talking about throat... I may have to choose that before I choose throw because I'm not a a very big throat fan. Having uh, had things like lamb's neck before nearly having to puke it back up, but it's definitely going to be after, I don't know, glute probably going abs, Mm. probably going thigh first, maybe a little Oso Buco go with the uh, lower leg. May even go a little cheek too. If he's got uh, some, some chubbier cheeks. 
Yeah, it doesn't say exactly what was consumed. It just said he stabbed the victim in the back and then removed parts of his body before eating them. And he reportedly told cops he even cut off and ate Bacon's um, genitalia. So He even bought a dehydrator to make jerky out of Kevin Bacon's muscles. Mm, I don't know if that actually happened, but that'd be a nice detail if it did. That is a detail that I'm reading in this New York Times story. I mean, that's that right. I mean, that is really being dedicated to the to the craft. I'm not going to call it an art form because you're a sicko, but uh, boy, if you're if you're gonna go cannibal, you really do need to explore all the different options to try and prepare that meat to make it edible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it doesn't sound like this was this guy's first time doing something like this it sounds like he's got experience making moves like this in the past so like i don't know what the human equivalent of brisket is but if you are a cannibal you're trying to figure out what the body part is that you can cook like a brisket where you need to keep it on that low heat overnight hopefully you have a traeger grill so you're not having to wake up every 30 minutes or so to check the heat yeah and you're hoping that it come somewhere close to the barbecue being served up at like a style switch or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are they serving that these days? Are you getting human meat at style switch? No, it's only you, you're getting a lot of different types of meat. You're getting delicious cow brisket, mm -hmm. there's any other sort of brisket out there, but you're definitely getting good cow brisket, good cow ribs, good pork ribs. My family and I were there last night. Good half chicken. Yeah. Great wings. No human on the menu. Thankfully. That's disappointing. Actually, no, that's probably a good thing that they didn't have human meat on the menu. If I saw that on a, a menu at some barbecue restaurant, I'd probably turn around and leave right away. So, that would be good. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. There's your random story. Uh, shout out to the real Kevin Bacon. We're grateful that he is not cannibalized. And shout out to Mark Latunsky for uh, a solid, solid story. Here's his mugshot. I have no idea how this is going to come across over the YouTubes. He's got a smile on his face. Oh, yeah. He's smiling because he's thinking about eating the person who took that picture. So, my gosh, so that guy has a long mustache and a long beard. You know, some food's going to get caught up in that. Yeah, that is gross. That is oh. disgusting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we shift from a pretty vile segment, BK, to an even more vile segment with the coach that's going to be on the other sideline tomorrow in Stillwater. It's where are we at in society. Where are we at in society today? So I realized after last week's show that I need to do a better job of explaining just what this segment is about. I can't make the assumption that everybody listened to the old radio show back in the day. So where we at in society is all about pointing out some of the most ridiculous elements of modern society. It could be an emotional support pet bit. You would have a story along those lines this week that we may have to save till next week with a guy mm -hmm. in his emotional support alligator. It could have something to do with uh, something seemingly offensive, getting canceled, or as I like to call it, getting 2022, soon to be 2023, or just something else ridiculous along those lines. We always love talking about how there is an inevitable war brewing between man versus machine. BK and I are 
team machine for the record whenever that happens because you know man doesn't have a chance mm -hmm. occasionally it's just flat out ridiculousness otherwise and that takes us to this week's story which has to do with a pretty ruthless payback for a cheating boyfriend bk are you familiar with the band garbage popular alt-rock group from the 1990s i am and i wish i wasn't <laughs> wow yeah. think they're that bad well i think they're aptly named i think garbage is what they deserve to be called and even if that wasn't their name that's probably what i would call them they of i'm only happy when it rains and stupid girl i think that's their two most popular songs there's probably some other ones but those are the two that comes to mind for me case in oh, point their lead singer <laughs> shirley manson was interviewed by the guard guardian which is one of uh, the uk's biggest newspapers used to be called the indian but uh, they changed their name to the guardian last year i, I heard <laughs> do i have that right i uh, i'm gonna have to check the facts on that one <laughs> in the meantime throughout the course of this interview they asked shirley manson about an old interview where she admitted doing something terribly awful and embarrassing when she was about 18 and they asked if she could share the details on what she did Here's a response, BK. Oh. Quote, I took a crap on a cheating boyfriend's breakfast cereal. I'm not ashamed. I'm rather proud of it. A dear friend did similar when she discovered her girlfriend was cheating and said, quote, while I was doing it, I thought of you. I recommend it as an act of revenge. It leaves you feeling empowered and gleeful. Now, I'm going to have to ask you as a guy who we all know you're never the heartbroken. You're the heartbreaker. Have you ever had something along these lines happen to you? No, no one has ever taken a dump in my cereal, thankfully. Uh, and I have never taken a dump in anyone else's cereal. Not as thankfully, but still thankfully. Um, no. Considering now? Yeah, well, I enjoy feeling gleeful. Not the words you used. I enjoy vengeance. I enjoy gleefulness. Ince. That's not a word. Perhaps a way to uh, let out the frustrations of Texas loses in Stillwater tomorrow. Yeah, I'll just crap in my roommate's cereal, I guess. Oh. You know, he's he's what I got living with me right now, so he'll have to deal with that one. I, I have so many questions. Like, yeah. when? When did she do this? Like mid bite in yeah, between bites? Who's did the guy like pour cereal and then go to the fridge to get the milk? And then while he was doing that, she dropped her pants and. Did he eat the cereal? At, like, you notice if there's crap in your cereal, okay? That's something you don't miss. So it's not like the guy ate crap as he was going for his Frosted Flakes. Like, when when did she find time to do this? And why was this such a good prank? Because it's not like she got him to eat the crap. He literally could have just poured himself another bowl of cereal. I feel like what happened here is she didn't necessarily drop the deuce straight into a bowl that had cereal and milk in it. I think what happened is that she found out he was cheating. She went and grabbed the box of cereal that he eats most mornings. Let's remember it's an 18 year old kid here. So the likelihood that breakfast is for cereal most mornings for him is, is probably pretty high at this point. And she decided to do it straight into the box. Well, you have to wonder just how bad that, kitchen area might have smelled no. until he figured out what was going on that's the much more logical explanation for me because who pours themselves cereal and then steps away for the five minutes it's required for you to even work up the nerve 
to actually do that. Assuming that she hadn't just drank X-Lax or something like that. I mean, that takes yeah. a little bit to actually work up to be able to do that. It's not like you're just walking around deucing like a wild animal all over the place. That is a different sort of way to handle that business. Well, when your name is garbage, you never know. I mean, maybe she was eating garbage and that affected her bowel movements. I have no yes. clue. My first, not- question, my first question is, what was the cereal? Because the type of cereal absolutely determines just how ruthless a move this is. I mean, if you're taking a deuce into, I don't know, some half-rate healthy cereal that doesn't even taste that good, that's not big that big of a deal. If you're crapping in my peanut butter crapped and crunch at the age of 18, we're going to have some issues. And I don't think the punishment fits the crime in that situation. So, okay, what about this? What about Cocoa Puffs? Dark colored cereal. Maybe she could have gotten away with this. Maybe he left the room. She dropped her pants, did her business. The guy just thought they were some oddly shaped Cocoa Puffs. And man, we're really never getting invited back on this channel after this story. Maybe that's what happened. Well, since we're already going there, I guess it depends. Was it a rabbit pellet sort of day for her? God. I don't know. A lot of questions. I mean, how do you not follow up if you're the interviewer there? You need more details. You can't just like hear that part of the story and move on to the next question. Like there are so many. The whole interview should have been about that. Once that story was told, the whole rest of the interview should have been about that incident and that moment and his reaction and all of that. We we need a 30 for 30 about this. I want both sides. I want all sorts of people interviewed. I want the girl who had done it to her girlfriend before. I want anybody who's done this since. That's what we need. We need a whole 30 for 30 documentary, at least a 60 minute segment at minimum to know really what happened here. Especially because the title of the story had to do with that. And it was like the shortest answer in the story too. You're absolutely right. I mean, they must've just sent her a list of questions and that's what she sends back. I mean, you do have to ask, can I get a couple follow-ups on that Q&A in the very middle there, please. Yeah, journalism's falling off, man. Like Woodward and Bernstein, whoever those guys are, like they would have done this right, all right? They would have handled this in a much more appropriate manner and gotten us the information that we're looking for. Journalism just ain't the same as it used to be. I am glad that the Rangers uh, let go of Woodward this season. It was time for a change. Yeah, uh, they might have a Bernstein in the front office somewhere. But they do. Now, um, Bernstein Daniels. There you go. It's not you, you don't want any Bernsteins playing. You want those guys in the uh, the front office of your, of your sports franchise. Ian Kinsler was good for a while. That is true. Jason Kittness had some decent years with the Indian slash Guardians. Rod mm-hmm. Drew, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, converted. I don't know when. I feel like he converted towards the end of his career, and then uh, his numbers started to decline. I don't know if there's any coincidence there. but Sandy Koufax. The GOAT. Alex Bregman right now is playing well. We got some. We got some, but the odds are uh, against us. All right. The odds are not in our favor. This is no Hunger Games situation here. All right, BK. uh, Hold on. I got to ask you something. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if I remember this right, but when we were doing a show together a few years back, you weren't allowing your kids to eat cereal. Is that still a thing? I can't even remember why that was a thing, but is that still a thing? Well, I am a diet Nazi. That's what everybody who knows me calls me, including my wife and kids. Doesn't feel good when they call me that, but they also realize that I am pretty strict when it comes to the diet. And I'm happy to let you and others know who were enraged by my decision several years ago that I have started to allow my kids to eat breakfast cereal once a week. Now, it is 
a high protein, zero added sugar breakfast cereal. Ugh. And they're not allowed to use dairy milk. I give them the option of nut water, regular water. What is nut water? Is, is nut water what you made to make them? What is that? Gross, dude. No, people call it almond milk, cashew milk. Okay. You can throw soy milk in there. It's not milk, though. You're not milking those nuts to get that liquid. You are straining those nuts through water. So let's call it what it is. It's nut water. So they they deny the nut water. Not even macadamia water, which I think is the best version of the nut water. They say no to that. They say no to water. So they get to eat their cereal dry one morning each week. Dude, that is torture. All right. Like we need uh, child protective services coming to your place for something like that. You're trying to make your kids eat cereal with water. They don't get milk or anything. They have to use a spoon too, even though there's no liquid in there. Like they can't eat it with their hands. They do get to eat it with their hands. Okay. That's, that's me trying to meet them in the middle. Now, if your kids are misbehaving, do you pull a garbage lead singer in their cereal? Oh, Send them a message. You know? Not until now. Not there you until go. Now. And that's exactly why we formulated this next segment several years ago. And I'm bringing it back right now. Uh-oh. Brad Kellner's Parental Advice of the Week. Sponsored by Dying Alone. Thanks, Voice Guy at radio station that neither of us no longer works for. <laughs> BK, I almost brought this up last week because it happened Texas OU weekend. But we were driving in town the Thursday before Texas OU weekend. What would have been uh, two weeks ago now? And my kids, who are very observant, very smart, they can both read, asked Justine and me a question that we were pretty certain we would get asked for the first time driving through Houston, but it turned out to be Dallas that led to this question. And the question is this. Mommy, Daddy, what is a gentleman's club? So I ask you now, Mm. as a man... Who plans? You still plan on dying alone, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. As a man who plans on dying alone, who sadly often has better advice than me, the parent does in certain situations. How would you answer that question? What is a gentleman's club? Yeah, you know, I try to uh, I try to avoid this one at all costs. I don't want to explain to my children or anybody else's children what really goes on beyond those walls. I would just say it's something for adult men. And they're only allowed to—they're uh, only allowed to know what goes on in there. And Daddy's never been because once you've had—shoot, ah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't know what I would say because then if you just said, "Oh, it's something for adult men," then they'd be like, "Okay, Dad, you've been there. Clearly, what's inside?" Oh man, I would just tell him it's—it's it's something that I can explain when you all get older. Like, daughter, you're never going to get to hear this. Sorry, you're not a gentleman. It's nothing personal. Son, I'll let you know. Once you have your bar mitzvah. Oh, wait, you're not Jewish. You're not having a bar mitzvah. I'll let you know when you turn 18 what goes on at a gentleman's club. I don't know if that would work. I feel like your kids are uh, are pretty curious. Most kids are pretty curious, but your kids are smart, and they would actually try to pry to get a little bit more out of you. But that's probably what I, did, what I would do. Just kind of push it off, tell them I'll tell you later, and change the subject as soon as possible. Well, that's probably the right way to handle it. I uh, I gave an answer. Justine was not happy with me afterwards. Ready for the answer? Yeah, what'd you say? What'd you say? I said, well, kids, that's a place where girls 
who grew up without a strong male model go to dry their tears with dollar bills, perhaps meet their first baby daddy, too. You did not say that. At that point, they asked what a baby daddy is, pointed at myself, and then I gave them each a dollar bill to shut up. Oh, my God. That is incredible parenting right there. That is well done. Not as bad as as giving your kids water for their cereal. Uh, That's still the most egregious uh, parenting mistake that you've admitted to during this show. But, oh, God, where they go to dry their tears and get a baby daddy. That is... Surprised you didn't get pushed out of the moving car. Look, if you grow up without a strong male role model, if you're a female, it greatly increases the likelihood that you're going to end up working in a gentleman's club at some point. By the way, if you're a male and you grow up without a strong male role model, we don't have the details from that cannibal story. There's a much greater likelihood that you're going to be a cannibal and or a serial killer too. These Mm. are just facts. I didn't create them, but I just have to cite them now. Yeah, and then you get uh, the occasional Bucky Godbolt, one of our old friends, who's got his own scholarship fund for uh, some of those workers inside the Gentleman's Club. So Yes, he does. Uh, every once in a while, not only do you get you a baby daddy, you could get you a sugar daddy as well. I'm surprised you didn't go there. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm going to have to follow up with them this afternoon after I pick them up. <laughs> hey, you guys know how you asked me about a Gentleman's Club before? Yeah, there's more. I didn't tell you everything. There's more. Let me tell you kids about the champagne room. Oh God. Yeah. Let me know how sleeping outside is once you uh once you do that. It doesn't feel good. I can tell you from the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh man. All right. It's time for our weekend football picks. By the way, you uh you definitely prognosticated just how bad you are at picking games. You go two and four mm. on the weekend. I end up going five and one, which I would, have, I would not have gone that had all of the wrong team favors that I was picking, but the numbers did work out to why I was still winning those bets because we're going based on the line and not which team is winning the game. So I'm up three right now. And now we need to figure out what that end of year bet is going to be. I know we talked about doing something each month, but this is a once a week show. We only have so much time, so much energy to commit to paying bets off. So we're just going to do the end of year bit. And you people, you're going to have to be okay with that. So here's my suggestion. Because when we talked about it last year, I don't know if I've ever heard fear enter your voice before a moment last week where you talked about just the terrifying thought of going up and doing five minutes of stand-up at an open mic. So I think that needs to be the bet payoff. But I need you to agree with this because obviously I couldn't do the the Greyhound thing that you paid off back in the day. So (laughs) if it's something that you are that scared of, then we won't do it. We'll figure something else out. Otherwise, I think that's what we need to roll with. It really is amazing that I'm more willing to do like a punishment that lasts 40 hours versus something that lasts five minutes, right? Like I literally gave up a weekend of my life going on that Greyhound to and from El Paso. I literally put my life at risk, put my life at danger, sharing a bus with uh, a bunch of criminals who were headed to a halfway house out in El Paso. Uh, and I was more willing to do that than, than do five minutes of open mic night somewhere. But if that's what you want, if that's what the people want, then we'll make it happen. And yeah. if, it's, if it's a punishment, it's supposed to be a punishment, right? Like, yeah. So I might as well start looking for times already because 
you know, it's only a, a three game gap and we still have more than half the football season ahead of us, but that feels pretty insurmountable based on the way I pick games. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I'm down with it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm down with it if uh, if that's what you and the people are looking for. And by the way, for the record, I've actually done stand-up at open mic nights before. It's been a long time now. It's been more than a decade in Chicago drink up. It terrifies me, the thought of having to do that once again. It's an exhilarating thing to go through. Whether you kill, whether you bomb, or maybe you fall somewhere in between, it is... It's awesome once you actually get through that. But the uh, yeah, there's a stage fright that's going to enter the equation for one of us. Oh, God. If we end up dying, it's going to end up being both of us, by the way. Two and a half minutes each. <laughs> Two and a half minutes. Give a couple of jokes. We're going to go Sklar Brothers. Yep. We're not going to play off of one another. You're going to do two and a half minutes and then I do two and a half minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that'll, uh, be, that'll be great. There'll be six, nobody left. Yeah, our six games this weekend, four from college, two from the NFL. I'm going to be honest. We are scraping the bottom of the barrel with the NFL this week. There are uh, uh, several teams on by, including some of the best teams uh, in this league right now, but it is what it is. So we're going to start with Syracuse Clemson, BK, number 14 at number five. The Clemson Tigers are 13 and a half point favorites right now. And because I'm in the league, I get to go first on all of these unless you want to go first. But I give you the option of uh, going against me when you need to. Go ahead. I'm the Tigers in this one. DJ Uwe Ungalele, I don't even know if I have that pronunciation right. It's going to make me sound like I have a stroke uh, every time I try to say it until the end of time. He has been playing phenomenally this year. A completely different player from last year. That Clemson defense is its typical self. And I do think the Tigers, despite the fact that Syracuse does have a really good dual threat quarterback, ends up winning this one in the 17 to 20 point range. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking Clemson as well. Syracuse has been a great story this season. I don't think anybody expected them to be unbeaten at this point in the year. But there is a pretty severe talent gap between these two teams and I know the Clemson game against Florida State last week was close at the end but they were pretty dominant in that one for the most of the game on the road so I'm going to take Clemson as well to hand Syracuse its first loss and uh, also to cover the two touchdowns all right we have the 230 game one of a couple of decent 230 games this is not the CBS matchup I believe this one is on Fox number nine UCLA at number 10 Oregon the Ducks favored by six points in this one Interesting battle of quarterbacks here. A couple of guys who are spinning it as well as just about anybody in the conference. Of course, you can throw Caleb Williams into that equation as well. Cam Rising, no slouch himself. But both these quarterbacks have been playing well, especially Bo Nix, since that blowout loss to Georgia earlier in the year. I think that Autzen Stadium makes a difference here. And I do have the Ducks winning by a full touchdown. That means they do cover the six. All right, I'll go against you here. I'll take UCLA. Uh, I think Oregon wins, but I think uh, UCLA is able to cover the number. DTR is doing a great job. He's like an 18th-year senior. He's been there forever, so I don't think he's going to be phased by uh, this road atmosphere. UCLA is playing some pretty good football with Chip Kelly right now. So, uh, once again, I think Oregon wins, but uh, I'll take UCLA on the points. Glad to see we get a good-ranked matchup at night. FS1 lucks out with the Kansas State-TCU game. I think that's a 7 o'clock start. It's number 17, Wildcats, at the number 8, Horn Frogs. With TCU as a 3.5-point favorite right now, 
this is a tough one for me. I am inclined to say Kansas State here, but I've got to admit when I'm wrong about TCU. I know they lost one of their better players to injury last week against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, but I think they have enough offensive firepower to ultimately wear a Kansas State defense down that has been really good at keeping the opponent out of the end zone this year. Give me the Horn Fox to win this one by four to seven. I'm going to go wrong team favored. I think K-State wins this battle of purple in Fort Worth. Uh, Adrian Martinez has been smart for the fo- uh, with the football for the first time in his life. I think K-State's defense is good enough to contain Max Duggan and TCU's offense. So I think it's a lower scoring game than TCU wants. And I think uh, K-State hands TCU its first conference loss, which would mean, what, every Big 12 team has a loss if that happens? Yes, it does. So, yeah, there's been a lot of chaos already. I think the chaos continues this weekend. All right, we have one more college game. That is Texas at Oklahoma State. We're going to do that one last. Shifting to the NFL now, it's not a great matchup necessarily, but it is the Dallas Cowboys. It gives us an excuse to talk Cowboys football. They host the Detroit Lions this weekend. Wait, they're uh, they're in Detroit this weekend, aren't they? No, it's in Dallas. Okay, I have that written down correctly then. Detroit at Dallas. Cowboys a touchdown favorite right now. Detroit fights hard, but they still lose a lot of games, BK. I think Dak Prescott is on schedule to return to the Cowboys offense this weekend. I got Dallas winning this one by 10 to 14. Yeah, me too. I think the Cowboys cover. Dak will be back. The defense is playing incredibly well. The Lions have fallen apart as of late. I think Dan Campbell's probably in his last year up there. I'll go with uh, the Cowboys taking care of business at home. Kansas City at San Francisco. The Chiefs are two and a half point favorites. KC is going to be angry after the loss to the Bills uh, in the previous week. This is a different Chiefs offense right now. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is a special player for his position, just like Pat Mahomes is for the quarterback position. And Mahomes doesn't have a whole lot of guys that he can trust throwing the football to in big situations other than Travis Kelsey right now. Despite that, I think Kansas City does get back on track this weekend, beating uh, this 49ers team that is helmed by Jimmy Garoppolo now, of course, uh, somewhere in that 7-10 to 10 point range. So they do cover that 2.5. Yeah, agreed. I hate agreeing with you so much, but uh, I like the Chiefs as well. Both teams coming off a loss. San Fran got embarrassed by Atlanta, like a really bad Atlanta team last week. So they're going to be motivated and hungry. I just think the Chiefs are a lot more talented and Mahomes coming off of a loss. I think uh, he'll bounce back and KC will get the win by the bay. Finally, number 20, Texas at number 11, Oklahoma State. The Longhorns last week checked six and a half point favorites. Can they win this game by a touchdown or more? They can win this game by a touchdown or more, but I am still nervous with how much love this Longhorns team is getting. I do think they win this game, but I think it's closer than a touchdown. So give me Texas to win, probably somewhere in that one to three point range. People don't hate me already. They're going to hate me now. Wrong team favored. I think Oklahoma State wins. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Look, if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, Texas is going to win and they'll cover this number. But I, I think Sanders is going to play. Like he didn't practice at all last week and he ended up playing against TCU and they had that game. They choked it away. And I know Sanders' shoulder isn't right. He's hampered. He's banged up. He won't be the same guy he was at the start of the season. But I don't trust Sark on the road. I don't know what to expect from Quinn Ewers on the road. Mike Gundy's had whoever the hell has been coaching Texas's number a lot over the last decade. So I like the pokes, 31 to 27. Needless to say, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Oklahoma State covers, and I think they went outright too. All right. Well, we do have some disagreements there. You may be able to make up some ground, or you may fall further behind and get closer to that. Five minutes on stage. That is another episode of Trey and BK. Thank you so much for checking us out today. If you liked the episode, Go ahead and click that thumbs up there on the bottom of the screen. Also, make sure if you haven't done so already to subscribe to the On Texas Football channel. It is that red subscribe button in the upper right-hand corner there. 
for Brad Kellner hanging out in Houston. BK, have a great weekend in Vegas. Whatever happens there, tell us a little bit next week, please. You got it. I am Trey Elling. We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend and hook them.